There's a, there's a story about a guy who, uh, who grew up in the city, and he uh, decided to go visit some uh, relatives that lived on a farm. Uh, and so the farmer uh, whistled, and, uh, and his dog went and herded the cattle into the corral, and then it latched the, the door, the gate, with its paw. And so, you know, uh, if you've ever heard Scott's uh, three-legged pig joke, wow, that's some pig. Well, wow, this is some dog. And, uh, and so the, the guy from the city said, what, what's her name? And uh, the forgetful f- farmer thought for a minute, and he said, now, what do you call that, that, that red flower that has thorny things on its, on its stem? And uh, the guy from the city says, oh, it's, that's a rose. Oh, that's it. And so the guy turns to his wife and says, hey, Rose, what's the name of the dog? <laughs> yeah, uh, we all can be forgetful, can't we? Uh, I know I can be forgetful, uh, but uh, uh, I've been there, I've done that, I've bought the T-shirt. Uh, uh, but what about you? Uh, have you been forgetful? What is the worst happening or, or thing that you uh, have been forgetful about? Um, did you ever get in your car and reach for your keys and didn't have them? Or, or you couldn't remember your own phone number or house number or the street where you lived or the names of your kids or your best friends? I even forgot the Lord's Prayer in the middle of a sermon. Uh, it's like, how do you do that? You know? um, and so if, you were to, uh, if we were all to be put in the right situation at the right time, we can all be guilty of forgetfulness. Uh, One day after Albert Einstein uh, had moved to his home at the Institute of Advanced Study in Princeton, New Jersey, uh, the telephone rang at the office of the Dean of Princeton Graduate School, and the voice at the other end inquired, may I speak to Dr. Einstein, please? Advised that he was not in, the voice continued, perhaps you will tell, uh, uh, tell me where Dr. Einstein lives. And the secretary replied that uh, she could not Uh, divulged that since uh, Dr. Einstein wished to have his privacy respected. And so the voice on the telephone uh, dropped to a whisper. Please, don't tell anybody I'm Dr. Einstein. I'm on my way home and I've forgotten where my house is. So, well, that's uh, pretty bad if you forget where you you live. Uh, It would be worse uh, if I forgot where I lived uh, and, uh, uh, you know, coming home from work, uh, I'm sure <laughs> you'll find out in a minute if you don't know why they're laughing. I, I'm sure often it, Susan has thought, gee, uh, Doug said he'd be home in 10 minutes for dinner and I wander in 30 minutes later. She's probably thinking, did he get lost? Uh, but for those of you who don't know, I live in the White House. We're right across the parking lot. Uh, so that uh, there was a, a Uh, a a train station, a commuter train station, and a police officer happened to notice that uh, there was a woman bent over her steering wheel, uh, and she looked just very distraught. Uh, And so the the police officer goes over to her and and asks, is there anything wrong, ma'am? And half crying and half laughing, she said, for 10 years I've, I've been driving my husband to this station every morning to catch the train, and this morning I left him at home. Friends, the worst forgetfulness uh, of all is to forget people. Just ask Debbie Jackson about the time I forgot her last month. (laughs) 
you can ask her that later. Um, I felt horrible. Anyhow, I apologize, Miss Debbie. Um, but one of the biggest lessons that we need to learn is that God didn't put us here for us. God put us here for others. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4 says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. Verse 4 again. God comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. Did you hear that? God comforts us so that we can comfort others. God ministers to us so that we can minister to others. God loves us so that we can love others. God put us here for others. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. We live in a very self-centered society. It's every man and woman and child for themselves, and, and I'm going to look out and take care of myself. But in humility, we are to consider others better than ourselves. There's a, a gentleman who writes a blog who goes by the name of Mikey D. And he writes, Unfortunately, it's not always easy to see the good in others. We are familiar with the, the violence that makes humans, uh, that many humans have been involved in, be it genocide, war, murder, child molestation, and so forth. Plus, we've all been wronged numerous times. It's hard to see the good in someone when they just lied to you or cheated uh, on you. To make matters worse, your own brain is conspiring against you. We have an intrinsic negativity bias or a tendency to focus on and give more weight to negativity, negative experiences or information instead of positive ones. A common example of uh, the negative bias would be our relationship with dogs. And I resonate with this one because this happened to me as a child. But almost everyone has had many great experiences with dogs throughout their lives. But if you were bitten or attacked by a dog, you are likely to be scared of them for the rest of your life because you focus on that one negative experience instead of the many more pleasant ones. It turns out that the negativity bias is so ingrained in our psychology that it is already developed by the time you turn seven months old. Clearly, seeing the positive attributes in others is an uphill battle. However, it can be done. With a little bit of work, um, uh, and, and it can be done. And it is already uh, pointed out, it is worthwhile doing. If only we, we see the good in ourselves and others. You need to look around and, and see the good in others. That good which may well exceed the good in you. Uh, Louis Shimon wrote a, title, uh, a poem entitled, I Know Something Good About You. It goes like this. Wouldn't this old world be better if the folks we met would say, 
I know something good about you, and then treat us just that way. Wouldn't it be fine and dandy if each hand-clasped form and true carried with it this assurance, I know something good about you. Wouldn't life be lots more happy if the good that's in us all were the only thing about us that folks bothered to recall? Wouldn't life be lots more happy if we praised the good we see, for there's such a lot of goodness in the worst of you and me? Wouldn't it be nice to practice that fine way of thinking too? You know something good about me. I know something good about you. Let me tell you this. There is something good in all of us. And we need to look at that good. We need to, to praise that good. We need to, to realize that good in others may be better than the good in us. Philippians 2, verse 4. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. We should be interested in others for their good, not for our gossip. Most people are only interested in others because they want to spread the bad news. They want to spread any news they can, they can find out about someone, good, bad, or otherwise. You know, we're in the middle of of this Memorial Day weekend, and we need to be concerned about others for their good. For many people, this weekend means picnics, parades, and pubs, and, and it means grills, food, family, and fun. But for a few, it means going to the graves of deceived loved ones and remembering. Remembering may be tough to do, and perhaps that's why some of them do it. But it's generally good to remember others, deceased or otherwise. It's always good to think of others, to love others, and to remember others. So on this Memorial Day weekend, we need to think about people. God put us here to remember people, and we need to think of them in two ways. The first is we need to remember people in death. We need to remember people in life. So remembering people in death. John chapter one, uh, 11, verses 1 through 5, and then I'll jump to 17 through 44. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and, and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with uh, ointment and wiped her feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard this, he said, This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Then verse 17. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus has already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, 
God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. When she said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, The teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come to the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews were there with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus saw, was, and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, See how he loved him? But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay in front of it. And Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. So they took away the stone. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me out, that you sent me. And so when he said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out. His hands and feet were bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with cloth. And Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. What a story. I mean, that's a, that's a God incident if I've ever seen one or heard one. John eleven five, 5, it says, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Jesus loved people. What an understatement. And, and at times, Jesus loved uh, some more intensely than others. And there's nothing wrong with that. We are to love all people, but there are times when we love some more intensely. Or they're, they're needing more love from us than others. It's all right to do that, um, to show that at times when someone is hurting, don't you love them even more? And if not, why not? You should. Romans 12, 15 says, Rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. Sometimes people hurt a whole lot. 
they weep and they cry. And it's during those times that we need to show them more kindness and more intense love. They need to be loved. They need to be remembered. How's your love life this morning? How much do you love people? We need to remember people in death. Jesus loved Lazarus, uh, who had just died. Jesus loved his sisters as well. Jesus remembered them. Have you remembered anyone in death? During their death? During the process of them leaving this world? I've asked Debbie Jackson uh, to come and to read this moving story entitled, Dad's Glimpse of Heaven. His words left us with something to look forward to. At 4 a.m., the nurse woke Dad to give him breathing treatment. Mr. Hirschberger, do you know where you are? Goshen Hospital, he answered politely and closed his eyes again. She wrapped a blood pressure cuff around his arm. Mr. Hirschberger, who's the president of the United States? Dad looked at me with an expression that said, do I really have to answer these silly questions in the middle of the night? She raised her voice, Mr. Hirschberger, Who's the president of the United States? Do we have one? He asked her. Good answer, Dad, I teased. The nurse laughed loudly, gave him a mock punch in the shoulder, put an oxygen mask on his face, and turned on the noisy machine. Well, I guess you're awake and alert. A week or two. That's how long the doctor said Dad might live. We wanted to make the most of every minute. I was glad to sit with my husband during the night while my husband Dwight slept on a sofa in the visitor's lounge down the hall. Such sweet memories. I brushed the damp hair from his forehead. I wonder how it feels to know that you'll soon see God. It feels good, Dad said without hesitating. It, it's such a mystery. Tell us what you feel and see and hear to help us understand what you're experiencing. I'll try, he promised. Are you scared? No, he said. I feel at peace. I've been wishing to go to heaven all day. That was Tuesday night. In four days, Dad would be transferred to the nursing center where he'd hoped he'd never have to go. I thought about Dad falling asleep and not waking up, but there were some things I still wanted to tell him. Hey, Dad, soon after Dwight and I started dating, he told me what you said about me. You told him he had picked a good one. You told him I was a peach. No one ever called me a peach before. And I've loved you ever since. He squeezed my hand and closed his eyes. I'd better be quiet and let you sleep, I apologize. No, he said quickly. I want you to keep on talking. I just can't keep my eyes open. Suddenly, Dad jumped as I was close to his. I said, Dad, is something wrong? His eyes were open, but he, he didn't seem to see me. I'm, I'm leaving, I thought I heard him say in a weak voice. Did, did you say, I'm leaving? I asked quickly. I'm leaving, he repeated more distinctly. He surely couldn't mean dying, not yet. I tried to think of, think of some appropriate last words to say in case this really was the end, but my mind went blank. I started to say, I love you, but he interrupted me with one word. It sounded like cold. Oh, you're cold. I tried to reach for the blanket, but he wouldn't let go of my hand. 
He tensed and quickly spelled it for me with an emphasis on the G sound. G-O-L-D. Gold. G-O-L-D. Gold and silver. I was shivering. My heart was pounding. I leaned my head against the cold metal bed rail. Lord, please carry him home gently, I prayed. We love you, Dad, I kept repeating. As he took four long, shuddering breaths, and then he was still. His hands became limp. I should call the nurse, I thought, but I couldn't move. I sat there in the darkness, holding Dad's badly bruised hands with intravenous fluid still running into them. My forehead seemed fused to the bed rail. Tears ran down my cheeks. Six inches from my face, something supernatural had occurred, something far greater than my mind could absorb. I knew that God was in the room, but I couldn't see him or feel him. I longed to be able to see what my dad had seen. I gently laid dad's hands on the bed and walked up to the nurse's desk. I dried my cheeks and blew my nose. Excuse me, I said. My father-in-law is gone. She grabbed her stethoscope and rushed into his room, turning on lights and calling his name. I walked down the hall to tell my husband that his father had gone to heaven and that there really is gold there. Thank you, Debbie. Have you, have you ever been in a situation like that? <clears throat> That's remembering and loving a person in death. I've known several ladies who, who work in a nursing home or in hospice care who have, have made it their mission to sit with the dying if no family is present. I know that it's hard to do, but not everyone can do that sort of thing. But if your faith is in the Lord and is strong enough, it can be done and it should be done. Their thinking is that no one should die alone. They wanted to demonstrate love for the dying as they leave this world. I commend them for that. We all need to remember people in death in some form or another. Uh, go to the cemetery where your loved ones are buried and remember. It may shock your heart somewhat, but do it anyway. Someone once said, say goodbye to me, but not to the thought of me. Remember your loved ones who have gone. Remember and rejoice in their good. Remember and praise God for them. Say good goodbye to me, but not to the thought of me. We need to remember people in death. There was a, a, a boy, uh, I think it was back in the 70s, uh, early 80s, but a boy named Mark Schultz uh, at the age of 12, found himself fatherless. And he loved to fish, uh, but had no one to take him fishing. So when Mark submitted an ad, a wanted ad in the local paper, he asked for adult volunteers to take him fishing. He received 20 phone calls. We need to remember people. We need to remember people in life. We need to remember them in, uh, in any form that shows we care about them. Taking them fishing, 
or some other good thing. I know uh, Alan Brunstetter. Uh, he took Debbie Jackson's son, Zach, under his wing. Uh, and, and I know uh, you did that when he was a young boy, Alan. And I know that meant the world to Zach, and I know it meant the world to you, Debbie. Just taking time to remember people. There is a, a pastor, Steve Shepard, whom I got this message from, and he shares a story about a woman uh, named Maggie uh, from a first Christian church in Iberia, Missouri. And he said uh, before she had passed away, um, she once told him, I believe in giving flowers to the living. Flowers to the living. She remembered people in life while they were still alive. It's apparent she loved the living. What about you? We should do this as well and do it to the best that we can. We may not get a second chance at loving on someone. We'd better love them while we can. Matthew 9, verses 35 and 36. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. You see, Jesus saw people. What I mean is he really saw them on a deeper level. He could see their hurt, their pain, and their sorrow. Jesus was aware of the people around him. He, he was sensitive to them. What about you? Uh, Paul Salzman, uh, my college math professor, uh, died last weekend. That's his picture. Um, he had a large impact on me. Not really, to be honest, as a professor, although he was a good teacher, but as a person. Uh, he was a man of the human race who saw people. Uh, and if you'll indulge me, I'd like to read his obituary. Paul W. Salzman, 83, of Anderson, passed unexpectedly from this earthly life on May 17, 2019. Born July 8, 1935 in Cleveland, Ohio, and developed a love of music, theater, film, and baseball early on. As a teen, he sold peanuts at the Cleveland Indians baseball games and remained a loyal fan throughout his life. In the 1950s, he came to Anderson and graduated from Anderson College, now Anderson University, in 1957. There, he began his lifelong love of teaching. After teaching high school math for two years in Bellefontaine, Ohio, he returned to Anderson College in 1959 at the age of 23 to teach mathematics, where he did for the next 60 years. He loved teaching and never had plans to retire. Two days prior to his passing, he turned in his last set of final grades. In 1966, he taught math for a year in Africa, uh, in an African secondary school in Kenya, where he contracted malaria and was briefly taken prisoner with a group of nuns during a period of political unrest. He loved the Lord, and interesting, uh, he loved the Lord, 
and interacting with the scores of students he taught at Anderson over the course of six decades. For over 20 years, he took students to a local nursing home to sing hymns and visit with residents. Never owning a new car and rarely spending money on himself, he, always, he was always generous with his time and treasure with others. Matthew chapter 25 was his guide. For decades, he visited inmates in prison and never let those on the margins of society become invisible to him. When I read that in the obituary, it's like, that is Paul. He visited inmates in prison and he never let those on the margins of society become invisible to him. Paul remembered people throughout his life. What about you? Helen Keller once said, to be blind is bad, but it is worse to have eyes and not to see. What about you? Sometimes we are so blind to the pain of others. A preacher was in his study preparing his sermon when a little, his little boy walked into the room and holding up his pinched finger and said with a, an expression of suffering, look daddy, it hurts really bad. That preacher father glanced at him with a, a tone of impatience and said, I can't help it, honey. The little boy's eyes grew bigger and as he turned to go out, he said in a low voice, yes, you could have helped. You could have said, okay, I'm sorry. What about you? Are we so blind, so unsympathetic, so insensitive that we can't see the hurt around us? What will make a difference? What will make the difference in us personally? For sale, among those who came to inquire was a young boy. Please, mister, he said, I'd like to buy one of your puppies if they don't cost too much. Well, son, they're, they're $25 each. And so the boy looked crushed. I've only got $2.05. Could I see them anyway? Of course. Maybe we can work something out, the man said. And so the boy's eyes danced at the sight of those little five, uh, five little balls of fur. I heard that one of them had a bad leg, he said. Yes, I'm, I'm afraid she will be crippled for life. Well, that's the puppy I want. Could I pay for her a little at a time? The man responded, but, but she'll always have a limp. Smiling bravely, the boy pulled up one pant leg, revealing a brace. I don't walk so good either. Then looking at the puppy sympathetically, Sympathetically, he continued, I guess she'll need a lot of love and help. I sure did. That's not so easy being, crisp, being crippled. The man says, here, take her. I know you'll give her a good home. And just forget about the money. Well, friends, when we get to the point in our lives that we realize we too are crippled human beings, then we will demonstrate sympathy and compassion for others in their pain and suffering. We can't understand what we have not experienced. 
Look around. Look around at the crowd. Look around at the people that are around you, whether it's here at church or in your neighborhood. But be aware, be sensitive, and have compassion. Remember people while they live. It can make all the difference. And there's one other thing that we should think about in regard to remembering people in life. And Jesus said in, in Matthew 20, verse 8, 28, he said, The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. What about you? Christ was a servant to others. He didn't stand around waiting to be served. He washed the feet of his disciples. He went about doing good. He healed people. He touched people. He connected with children. Instead of trying to run them down or run them off, he blessed them. Jesus was a servant of servants. What about you? One time, a, a man asked his friend, by whose preaching were you converted? And the man replied, not by anyone's preaching, but my mother's practicing. I like that. A few people serve more and better than a loving mother or a loving mother figure. All of us could learn from them who have gone about their business, never said a word, never complained, just keep right on serving and loving. We need to remember people by being servants to one another. In an international convention, and the, the founder, General William Booth, uh, uh, was to be their speaker, but he couldn't attend because of a physical weakness. And so he cabled, for those of you who don't know, that's ancient texting, uh, but he cabled his uh, convention message to them. And it was one word, others. And so I want to close uh, the message this morning with a poem by Charles Migas entitled, Others. It goes like this. Lord, help me to live my day today in such a selfish, forgetful way that even when I kneel to pray, my prayer shall be for others. Help me in all the work I do to ever be sincere and true and know that all I do for you must needs be done for others. Let self be crucified and slain and buried deep and all in vain. May efforts be to rise again unless to live for others. And when my work on earth is done and my new work in heaven's begun, may I forget the crown I've won while still thinking of others. Others, Lord, yes, others, let this be my motto be. Help me to live for others, that I may live for thee. Pray with me. My Lord and my God, you have set us an awesome example in your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, the challenge for us 
is to remember people in death and to remember them in life. To not overlook people. I thank you for people like, like my professor Paul Salzman who gave people the time of day, who never looked people over. He made them feel special. And that's what Jesus did. He made us feel special, wanted and loved. And so, Lord, help us to sometimes move out of our own selfish, egotistical desire to, to just take care of self and help us to look around and notice others but then more than notice them reach out to them touch them make a difference in their lives and Lord as we continue to worship today Lord I pray that you would take this offering and Lord may it be a continuation of our worship as we give to you the first fruits of what you have given us. We thank you for this church. We thank you for this church who does care about people and about one another. But Lord, we can always do better. Help us not to forget others. Help us to love on them. Amen.